0: Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly podcast. Kia has some exciting news they want to share with you. The brand new Kia EV9 is going on the road and you can be one of the first to see this amazing reveal. With this being Kia's first fully electric SUV, you don't want to miss this great opportunity to see and learn about this electrifying new car. To sign up to the Kia EV9 electric experience, please see the link in the description. Right then, lots to get through this week. England have announced an 11 for the Old Trafford Test, so we'll preview that game. Australia have retained the women's ashes after a pair of ODI thrillers. We might just have a counter-championship title race on our hands. Somerset are T20 Blast champions, and there's been a whole load of international cricket played as well. I'm joined by Phil Walker, Katya Whitney, and in the studio this time, Mark Butcher. Let's start with that England 11. It's it's broadly as expected, uh, although if you told anyone this was going to be the broadly expected 11. About six weeks ago, they've told you you're <laughs> mad. So James Anderson's coming for Ollie Robinson and Moen Ali is set to continue at number three. Mark, how do you feel about that?
1: <laughs> um, well, pretty much the same as I did uh, about the heading the Test 11, to be honest with you, which was that um, by hook or by crook uh, and almost by accident, they ended up with a team which has got a far better balance to it than, um, than either of the ones that played in the first two Test matches. Uh, and the rest of it was pretty much as expected. I, I mean, Moeen Alli at number three. It could, it could work. It might not work, um, but it's, it's simply a case of that, that nobody else really wants to do the gig. He volunteered for it, uh, and they'd rather have Harry Brook, uh, where he's been most successful at number five. So it's kind of... Uh, and it means that they get the spinner into the team, which, which I would agree with on, on, every, um, on every level. So, uh, look, it's a compromise, uh, it's neither a good thing or a bad thing. It might work. It might fall flat on its face, but that's, uh, but that's basketball, right? Um, so it's all good. I think that, you know, the fact that we've had eight days, nine days between the two test matches sort of raises the, the anticipation. It also means that Mark Wood has had the chance to benefit from having the overs in his legs from heading and also the rest um, as well. So, you know, that you would expect him to be, um, to be faster for longer um, and, and, potentially the difference between the two teams once again at Old Trafford given the weather uh, plays ball and we get the sort of pitch that we normally get at Old Trafford which is hard lots of carry um, with the potential for reverse swing if it stays dry
0: mm. yeah England quite like acting like say they've won when they've lost or that nothing can ever fail but it does feel like this main move is one that that can't really fail right even if he even if he fails because everything else makes sense in the team like uh and, and it's probably worth saying that from a pure numbers point of view from him himself it probably will fail right like he hasn't <laughs> he, he, he hasn't passed 60 in a test since 2017 he's averaged less than 20 since then and that's you know batting down at, at, at number 7 and 8 not facing right. new ball so, so the right? question
2: is it can't fail but it will fail but it can't even possibly fail even though it will Well, Kasia you take out the cudgels on that one
1: <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's one of those it's one of those ones whereby you know it, it kind of it's a win either way around right it's, that's which is I the purest that's, what, that's what the he's purest getting of baseball um, that's what he's getting yeah, at.
3: Yeah. I'm just looking forward to when Moeen gets a uh, king pair the clip of you being clipped up saying the Moeen move can't fail really, <laughs> after England have lost the ashes
2: Look I I like it uh, it's obviously wild it's 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 one of the peak moments really in this whole experiment um the fact that he wants to do it is is part of the battle. Um, it does help to solidify that middle order. It helps take the Stokes question out of the equation. Stokes, for me, should always be batting six because he's, he's still the fulcrum. He's still the person who gets it done in the end. And especially if they play Will Chase cricket, if they do win tosses, then they do tend to bowl first, as we know now. So I don't have an issue with that. Brook, I would have been more comfortable with at three, but I can understand he's a match winner at five, and that's where he's comfortable, and he's still getting going. So all of that ends up with this objectively unhinged idea of Moen Ali, who wasn't even interested in Red Bull cricket for two years until a couple of weeks ago, suddenly <coughs> batting first drop. But, you know, he does, he has done it. He batted okay in the first innings in the five, previous test match. Um, look, if, he, if he, scrapes he, was, get... he was
1: batting at, at eight, wasn't sure. he? Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, at least he
2: felt like he was in the scrap yeah. with the bat uh, and batted okay for an hour or hour and a half or so. He will get bombed. It's, it's a quick one. Um, well, it intends to be at least. And we know what's going to happen. It seems objectively crazy that, that Mo Ali, who's never particularly fancied, and to be fair, who does, Mitchell Stark in at the armpit and... Pat Cummings constantly in at your throat and all the rest of it. Nonetheless, that's where we're at. Uh, it looks like a very, very strong four to eight, mm. doesn't it? Mm. And what we had in the first two test matches was that sense of it being a bit unbalanced, a bit higgledy-piggledy, and eight, nine, ten, Jack didn't look great on paper and wasn't either. Uh, I, I think they're pre- prepared to sacrifice top order solidity. Clearly they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. In order to, to maintain what looks like a very persuasive and interesting balanced side.
3: I mean, I think what you can say is if Stokes, I think the question is if Stokes was fit to bowl, would they have picked another specialist and gone in with three seamers plus Ali plus Stokes who can bowl more overs than Absolutely he's... they would have done. Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. So then the question's kind of irrelevant because they have to shuffle their pack in a way that allows them to play those four seamers. Otherwise, they're not going to have a balanced side, really, at all. Um, and they need Mo as a spinner. So that's kind of what they come up with. I don't really have a problem with it. I don't see why. No. You know, it's just what what the cards they've been dealt and it's how they've decided to play them. Yeah, Whether it, it comes it, off is kind of irrelevant. I agree
1: irrelevant. with that 100%. And it's, but that's actually been the case since the very beginning. The argument around um, besto keeping Wicket and, and Ben Folk's not being inside, the argument around all of these things have basically have come about because Ben... Has known and the team has known, without wanting to say it publicly, that he is no longer an all-rounder in the side. Yeah. Um, And so all of this, all of the the knock-on effects, have come from from that knowledge before a ball being bowled in the series. So you are one hundred percent correct. That's why we end up with what we end up with. And for me, the the the, the sort of the mowing at at three is is basically to stop Harry Brook from having to bat there. Mm. That's it. That's the only reason for it. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But it's kind of, you know, I I don't think they're bothered either way. It just means they can play a spinner. It means that Brook can bat at five um, and they can get the, you know, the balance of the team. It's amazing though, isn't it?
2: To have a sort of pinch hitter-like figure at number three in an Ashes Test match right in the guts of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, to be fair though, they've had, I mean, they've wanted to play almost like a pinch hitter at pinch hitters as openers so i don't i don't see why True. this is any yeah. different i yeah. mean kind of it's not really which is part of the reason why you know when we were talking about this at the at, before a ball was bowled again that the idea of having brooke opening the batting in, in place of in place of crawley or duck it wasn't for me wasn't a mad idea in order to keep johnny Besto at number five yeah. and to keep ben folks in the team so all of these things you know you can you can throw them up in the air and they come down any way you like yeah but the but the basic fact is, is this actually looks like a looks like a pretty pretty decent, the best that they could do given the circumstances.
2: Totally. I think it was a given, I think that Wokes and Wood were going to play. Obviously, Anderson's the other big talking point. Just very briefly, Dan Lawrence played really well last week mm-hmm. in another, if the cards had fallen differently and if Stokes' knee wasn't a problem, then he would have probably been the favourite, right? To bat three. He scored a lot of runs for Essex this year. Third in his 100, really good 100 last week from 0 for 2 against a good, good Lancashire attack. So, so on another another day, he would have probably uh, snuck in there. But as it is, I think they've got the best eleven for sure for, yeah. the, for these conditions. Se- seems
0: seems to have been freed up almost since the sorry deal's been confirmed as well. Uh, yeah, but
2: I don't like to dwell on that.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, are we allowed? Are we allowed to say uh, Mohawk for Mowing Alley? No? no, no. Okay, fine. <laughs> 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 but you will. I've, I've already lost the room. Uh, <laughs> onto onto oh, wait, yes <laughs> it's not it's not actually bad is it it's very on brand it's pretty good onto australia uh, who have not yet named an 11 and there are some questions for them i guess the the big debate is around david warner uh phil what do you think they should do there i mean he's had a slightly better series this time than in 2019 although i guess that's it's not saying a huge amount uh, Stuart Broad has written for the Mail that he's always found bowling at water hard, which uh, <laughs> uh, which feels like some <laughs> he's sort of that's a, a massive massive flex. That isn't yeah. it? <laughs> he's having
1: a good summer,
0: uh, but, but, but I guess the, the serious question is, is that is that it looks like Cam Green will be back in contention for this right. game, and Mitch Marsh is surely undroppable. So what 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 do you do? Do you leave out you know your, your gun kid who's going to be the the future for the next fifteen years, or do you? Well,
2: I don't know what what they're going to do, and. Um, I think they'll probably retain Warner. I, I think I would be tempted to retain Warner. I think he's looked better this time around than he did four years ago. He had a bad game last time out, uh, but he looked okay against India. And I thought his feet were moving okay at Lords. I thought he played quite tidily there, really. Um, so I, I imagine that he will play. I think the idea of shuffling your pack to such an extent that, I don't know, what? Who, who would open? Literally, who would open if they were going to pick...
0: Yeah, I guess Travis Head did the job in India yeah, or you I guess have that Mitch a... Marsh as a sort of no. white ball but, but, but top three But then you're guy. taking
2: He's out literally currently the world's form player at five who's a natural to bat five to go and open the batting. I think that would be a push. As I said last week, for what it's worth, Scott Boland hasn't pulled up any trees nor has, uh, what's his score? George old, Hazelwood. Hazelwood. Yeah. And Cameron Green, I thought was a really good looking fourth seamer at Lords in particular. So I wouldn't be surprised if they drop one of those. That would be the attacking move. And Marsh, you assume plays right. I mean, it's one of the great Ashes hundreds, really. And he took wickets, and he took catches.
1: Look, Australia So they might play uh, in both. Australia don't do that. Don't do that fudge thing, right? That Hazelwood will come in for Boland. Boland has been has, been, right. has been smashed, so that's just a straight swap. So Green... Marsh, Green Marsh stays play? in the team. Green stays out of it, right. with, and they'll pick Warner, and they'll also go in with a specialist spinner. Yeah, the, the 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 wild card thing was was Maxwell, wasn't it? Could could they find a place to? Bolster the the lower order batting and get a spin option in whilst keeping the keeping the four quicks. But that's that. I bumped into Maxi actually at, at finals day. He was lying. Prone on a, on a sofa. He didn't look as though he was all that interested. If you'd have asked him, um, <laughs> I said, "Have uh, they uh, called you yet?" He said, Adam "He Collins said I've wedding. switched. Uh, I've switched he, my phone off." He said, "Right, okay, yeah." Um, Adam so Collins' wedding at midnight looked they will. They, in anything? Australia don't. In my experience of Australian teams, they do not do that sort of. We're gonna we're gonna try and pick everybody and sod the the balance of the side. They will pick the balance of the team to play in the Test match. Warner plays. Mitch um, Marsh stays. And they'll swap Boland for Hazelwood, and the rest will say the same.
2: Well, look, I'll take that I'll, from an English perspective. If Cameron Green isn't playing, I'd take that. Yeah, but he's
1: but, he, but he's sort of like he scored no runs and has taken very few wickets. I know he looked all right, but it's kind of, but Marsh, Marsh took, took took a took a couple of big wickets in the game and, and looked like the best batter on either side. It's just for me, I don't even I don't even know it's a conversation.
3: With with Warner though, do you not think it's a bit of a stretch to have announced your retirement for six months' time? Because that kind of strings to me as, well, you can part up with me for six months and then I'll go away. It's almost like a, you know... It almost helps him retain his place in the side in a way. I just think that's a little bit odd. Um, Mm. You know, Well, you know, he knows he's going to come over here and have a bad series because quite frankly, he's never had a good series over here. So he comes here, make sure, you know, he's going to have that fairy tale because then whoever drops him is, you know, the bad person for dropping him and not allowing him that fairy tale because he has been, you know, one of the most important players for Australia over the last decade. Um, And there'll be a lot of people who argue he deserves that finish to his career. Um, but ultimately he's, he's not performing and, you know, he's the one that, that is going to come in and looks like a walking wicket. So, you know,
1: I I reckon, you know, most, most players, most players do not get the opportunity to to decide when, you know, that 95% of the time gets decided for you by, by you being left out of the team. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite a a stretch to sort of, to say, right, well, I'll, I'll go through this English summer and. Finish it in a blaze of glory at home um, in Sydney. When he he definitely might not make it, but I think he's going to play in this test. I think they what they'll weigh up is whether or not they'll bring in somebody else who will, who will fare any better. Um, and Harris and sorry, what's the fella's name who's kind of got an English passport? Renshaw. Renshaw. Neither of those neither of those two catches slip either, and he's and he's been the mm. best slipper on both teams in in that regard. And I think they'll they'll think to themselves, well. You know, he's got, at some point, Broad, he's not going to nick him off, and he might get us off to a bit of yeah. a flyer and all that. I think they stick with him. I think the, the danger would come for him if Australia win the Test match. Then they might think, well, okay, we've we've now we've now retained the Ashes. Let's let's move on. We'll we'll, we'll draw a line under David Warner here, because you know they, they've they've been unsentimental like that in the past. I remember um, Michael Slater played his last. Mm last test back here in 2001 he was a fabulous player and I, I you know sort of a, a a hero of mine watching test match cricket in the 90s um but you know uh, Langer came in scored 100 here in the final test match of the series in 2001 and Slats was never seen again you know so they, they have a that's kind of how they roll so yeah I, I agree with you I think he'll he he might not make it to, to Sydney but I think he'll play this week
2: yeah look he had a, he had a bad game at Leeds and he had a good game at Lords. He made 90 runs across that test match. And he made an important 30, 40-odd, whatever it was, in the second innings at Birmingham, which really helped get them going, really, in that run chase. So so I don't think he's had a bad season, really. It, as an opener, unless you're Kawaja in the former of your life, you're always going to get a couple of blobs um, across three test matches. So I, I, think, I don't think there's much of an issue there, really. I guess the green point, with Mark, makes sense that because he has had an underwhelming season series, despite the fact that he's obviously their golden boy emerging. He probably will have to sit sit out, I guess, on balance. Mm. They don't have to gamble either too much. You know, they don't have to chase the series or chase the game. Yeah.
0: There there is one other option in the scene bowling. So because as Phil said, you know, but Boland, England have kind of got on top of him a bit, but Hayeswood hasn't looked great. And Michael Nisa in the County championship has looked amazing, hasn't he? I mean, he's got, got one of the best hat tricks you'll ever see a few weeks back, hooping the ball kind of round corners got two consecutive hundreds including a 170 odd to help 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 a side recover from 90 for seven last week uh should he come into the conversation katia yes yeah
3: well i'm very much on the the michael nessa hype train actually um just that 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 nearly double hundred he scored the other day like they came in he came in and they were soon 93 for seven and they ended up declaring on over 400, he's unbeaten on 176. Not great, in my opinion, not to allow him a chance at a double, but we move on from that. Um, and it's not like that's a one-off either. He's come off the back of another century in, I think, the first innings of the match before. He's got an 80 and a 90 in the matches before that. So the batting's there as a kind of potential all-rounder. And then if you look at his bowling figures, he's taken, what? He's taken 20 wickets, an average of 26.15 in like six or seven games. That's really good. you know. And you can say that it's it's second division all you want, but the second division was good enough for Lavashane and Smith to come in and get some practice before the Ashes. So it should be good enough for Nasser in my opinion. And it's not just that he's come into the championship and done well, he did really well in the Sheffield Shield. I think he took 40 wickets in that and was like either the second or third leading wicket taker. And you look at Hazelwood, let's say Hazelwood, because if we're assuming that Boland is going to be dropped, it's between Hazelwood and Nasser. In every single innings he's bowled in this Ashes series, Hazelwood's gone over four and over. And I think before um, this Ashes series, when he'd come to England, he'd only done that two or three times before. They've all gone for runs, but Hazelwood doesn't have the wickets to kind of make up for how England have treated him. Um, and if you're looking at someone who would be the archetype for bowling in the conditions we think are going to be had at Old Trafford, you would pick Michael Nasser. He's he's the form one. He's been around their squad um for pretty much the whole series. Um he's got the strongest case, hey, I'd say, you know.
1: Hazelwood plays. <laughs> does in the end.
3: I mean Hazelwood will play. Hazelwood will play, but that's not that's not the fun of that's it. That's not really, what we're here so for.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um we, we didn't really do Jimmy, did we? We didn't know. Uh so when we had a chat about this last week, I kind of, you know, I don't know, leaned towards Tongue. But when I saw the team this morning, I thought something about it just, just made it feel right. And it's a, it's a fascinating subplot to this to this test match because it could be his last. Just be realistic, it could be his last to play back-to-back Old Trafford and, and Oval. Uh, and as we know... It's going to be a tough, tough winter for any any English seamer going to India and all, all the rest of it, or it could be the start of a marvelous finale for him as well. And uh, I think it, it would have, it wouldn't have sat right if he'd been in a yellow bib next week and possibly the week after as well. I also think there's obviously very sound cricketing logic behind it. He's not. He's not had that sort of snap and zip that you'd come to expect from him this this series, but he has also been very economical as well. And in a five-man attack where you're gonna want mowing to attack, and if especially with a bit of weather around as well, you're gonna need to England are gonna need to force the issue a bit. Uh so yeah, having sort of played around with the funky idea, when I looked at it this morning, I just thought, yeah, there's something reassuring and and right about this. And I just desperately hope. Hope he goes okay. Mm. Well,
0: now we'll hear from the uh, the man he's replaced in the England eleven, Ollie Robinson, uh, discussing what it's like watching Markwood bowl fast, and also what it's like sharing a dressing room with uh, one of uh, the most fun characters in cricket.
2: We won, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Thanks hell for that, right? right? From everyone's perspective, talk from yours initially. How how significant was that that five four or five days up there? For the, for the game as well as your own peace of mind?
4: I think, yeah, obviously for myself and the team, it was massive. Um, we've been talking it up a lot and, and the way that we're playing, and you know, I think if we'd obviously not won that game, it would have it would have probably caused uproar amongst a few, a few people. So it was nice to get that win um, and sort of just set a little bit almost. I think we were always really trying too hard almost to get that win I think it was it finally came this week um, just I and mean, just a great feeling I think the way in which we won with Wokesy and Woody finishing it coming back into the side um, it was just so fitting for, for them and and quite special for for the group as well to get that sort of that first Ashes win under Ben and Baz as well so it was just a a great week obviously Headley's always got good memories for, for England at the moment and it was just great to get get the win and sort of keep the series alive.
2: Jimmy said after the Headingley game that first two games he'd felt like himself and the team were a bit too nervous, a bit too uptight maybe. Uh, and perhaps the desperation of knowing you had to win, it was a cup final in effect, actually sort of freed you up a little bit to express yourself a bit more. Um, did Did you get that sense as well? I think so. I think you look at how
4: we've played the last 12, 18 months. Before this series, we've been quite carefree in the way that we've gone about it. And I think the first two games, we were probably cared, to, cared too much, might be the wrong way of putting it, but trying too hard or or trying to force things to go the right way. Yeah. Um, whereas I think this game, it was sort of, we had to be that way to to play how we wanted to play. We had to just say, sort of, who cares or this is how we've won before, let's, let's keep playing like that. And I think that's sort of why in the previous columns I've done, I've kept saying you're going to see us become more aggressive and carry on because I may, I almost felt like we weren't doing that how we used to sort mm. of thing. And I think the game, we we probably saw it back to normal a little bit more. Obviously, there were there were times where we had to absorb pressure. The Aussies obviously bowled well at time and like Mitch Marsh played well uh, in the first innings. We had to absorb that pressure but then I felt like when we batted even I think second evening Zach and and Ben Ducky just came out and played normally. Just played shots and got off to a flyer and I felt like that's what we were doing previously. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think there was maybe those nerves and that anticipation in the first two games that we were trying too hard and really wanting to win. I think this week we had to just say, right, come on, let's let's play how we play and not care too much a, about the result." and I think that that
2: worked enough over. There's so many things to take from it, but let's start on that first morning and that spell, which from Woody, which will go down in legend, right? People will be talking about this for years. You were there. You were seeing it happen live. Talk me through the experience of that, and I guess the obvious question, have you ever seen a spell? as consistently quick as that before in your life? No, was,
4: I remember I started at mid-off and I thought, first few balls, I thought that looks pretty quick today. <laughs> carried on through the over, finished the over, and I thought, Jesus, that was that was quick. And then someone ran past me from slip and they said that they were standing past my mark, which is 22 and a half meters. So that's mm. 25, ready first over. And then I think the next day, I ended up going to fine leg for some reason. And I was 10, 15 yards behind Johnny. And it was just the fastest thing I've ever seen. Is <laughs> just crazy. I honestly felt like if I hit it more than a metre outside of me, it was four or six. I would mm-hmm. not be able to stop. And the fact he was getting the shape, the consistency, the movement on it as well at that speed was just unbelievable bowling and i think we all obviously we all recognised that when he was in the spell and it was just amazing to watch amazing to be a part of um not so amazing for the batters i can imagine oh, well, I,
2: was, I was going to ask you that do you get a sense uh of the effect it has on the batting side it obviously has an immense effect on the fielding side you know you feel alive and you feel like you're in the game and anything can happen but you do you do you sense how it affects the batting unit as well psychologically
4: yeah, you do. And you get little sort of quirks from the batters that you wouldn't normally get, which I think as a bowler, you notice more. There was one ball that Marnus played, and he had that sort of wry, awkward smile. And you sort of knew it was too quick for him after that. Just yeah. yeah. Try and give off the persona that everything's fine. You know, it's really not because he's going 95 miles an hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and even Uzzy. Um, Uzzy obviously plays pace really well. And he just looked all over the place really for someone that's been in such good form his feet were nowhere he was he'd gone from being that quiet persona at the crease to then the same thing smiling sort of having a laugh not having a laugh but just trying to give off those feel-good vibes that he was fine and yeah every batter buddy, that spur were doing the same thing it was awkwardly fast and awkwardly mm. uncomfortable for him. and mm-hmm. i suppose the back kind of Betray that you, you're you fine when you're really not. I think a few of our bowlers were saying
2: we'd have kicked him over if it was that fast. But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You'd have that one, yeah. yeah. and Mark was one of the great characters in the game, as we know. Um, you'd have toured with him as well, of course, to Australia. Have you got to know him now as a character a little bit more? And give us a glimpse into the effect he's had to galvanise this dressing room the last week or so. Yeah, he's a great character.
4: I've known him for
2: my first tour, actually. um
4: Potrish in bowlers camp when right. he was on it. So he's just one of those happy go lucky characters. He brings the brings the life, the light to the changing room every single day. Um you think he's drunk half the time, but he doesn't touch alcohol. Just so, <laughs> <laughs> so up and about and lively and funny. I mean, there's not many there's not <laughs> many of those words that you couldn't use to describe him really. He's just so it's mm-hmm. so bu- he does get nervous. I know he's obviously said when he flies he gets nervous, and he does get nervous around cricket as well. And I think that brings out um, that sort of over the top energy in him as well, where he just goes yeah. wild, crazy for five minutes, and everybody's like Would he settle down. But we're, like we love it. It's just so so fun, so funny to watch and be a part of. And he'll do he'll do crazy things. Like he walk in a changing room at ten fifty. 10 minutes before we go out, and he starts barking on the floor. He said, there's a dog in here. And you're like, what are you on about? And everyone's, he's like, there's a dog in here, lads. And he just starts barking, and people just wetting themselves, obviously. Just that sort of character where, even if he's nervous or anxious, he, he almost makes sure everyone else is fine, and everyone else is calm, and having a laugh, and, yeah, he's one of the great guys of the <sighs> team,
2: really. mean Yapping like a dog on the dressing room floor. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh. Talking of nerves two bits really, you with the pads uh, at the end and also you with Stokes in that first innings as well, which in the context of a low scoring game is quite an important partnership that the two of you put together. There must have been that sense when you were out there that any slight mistake and you're handing them a 60, 70 run first innings lead and then you know you're up against it on a pitch that's doing a bit. So there's that to discuss. But then of course, sitting there in your pads I don't know. Were you were you stock still? Were you able to move? Were you p- prancing around the dressing room, cat on a hot tin roof? What was it like knowing that you were probably next man in, or if not the the man after? And you know, you were thinking with eight you needed and four wickets in hand that you'd probably be having to get out there. So what the hell was that like? The first innings, I was um, on that many pills. I was
4: sort of out, not out of it, but I was a bit spacey. I had, had taken strong co- strong coding. Um, and as soon as I walked out, Stokes said, just back with me as long as you can. And I was almost so relaxed and so calm that I thought, <laughs> oh, I'll just do that with him for a bit and it'll be fine. And then, yeah, it was a bit surreal, really. I just sort of kept facing a few balls, trying to give him a strike. He'd get whacking it out of the park and yeah. did that for half an hour. But no, it's quite enjoyable to back with Stokes. Obviously, it's sort of the first time I batted with him when he's properly going. Um the one, yeah. And it was just amazing to watch. He's he's quiet. He's very quiet in the middle and very sort of zoned in. His eyes are glazed over, and you can just tell that he's he's in the moment. But that mm. was that was cool to watch for me from the non-strikes end. And then second innings, I was probably the calmest person in the England squad. I sat in the physio room all day just chilling out. <laughs> I got my pa- I didn't even get my pads on when. I think Wokesy went in and didn't even get them on. I thought I'm not gonna be needed here. I thought really? I just felt like Yeah, I just felt like we were always ahead of the game. We were always just that bit ahead. After the two previous test matches where they were always just ahead, I felt like this game we were always just ahead and we were never not gonna do it. And I think the fact that me and Brodie were ten and eleven, I thought even if we needed twenty five, we thirty we could do it because I just feel like we have that confidence in in our backing to be able to do it. Um
2: but I tell so, you, yeah. what, you might have been feeling that, but the country wasn't. Everyone was a wreck. I tell you that it was an awful experience to watch it. The lads <laughs> in the changing room were a mess.
4: I was going to <laughs> let to come on. calm down. Just keep the faith. We're gonna we're gonna do this. And you've got people striding around the changing room and talking like they've never spoken before, or some were dead silent in the corner, just chewing chewing gum. I mean, cricket and emotions do crazy things you don't know, but mm. um, it, it was funny to watch from sort of just sitting there.
2: Yeah, Ollie, right, they're yeah. name names, but obviously everyone's different, and there are some people who are optimistic and naturally positive and believe that you're going to win a game from everywhere, and there's some people who are maybe a bit more fatalistic, do you yeah. get those sorts of mixtures in a cricket team during a run chase where there are people striding around saying, we've lost it, we, 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 you know, we, we're done, and other people, maybe such as yourself, saying, we'll be fine, lads. don't worry about it. And Do you get that sort of psychodrama in the dressing room? Is that how it plays out? Definitely,
4: yeah. I think the bowlers versus batters sort of, um, there's that, that slight switch where, sort of you lose five, four or five wickets and you know you've only got sort of Brookie was in, wasn't he? Brookie's batting You know you've left and you got something like to go and if we lose Brookie, we're done. And I'm like, we've still got quite a bit of batting to come and like it's just <laughs> mm. convince people that we can still do it. And I think that's obviously the beauty of the game, isn't it? You, you get 11 individual plus the coaching coaching team and everyone just completely invested in in the game and obviously the whole country were invested. I think I saw the, the viewing numbers were with the highest they've ever been. I think it's it's great for the game. And the three tight games that we've had have, been, have all been so good to watch. And obviously, luckily, we're on the winning winning side this week.
2: Have you seen that stat that the aggregate scores are almost identical across the whole series? So it's something like 1,500 for 55 England yeah. versus 1,512 for 58. So you've lost three fewer wickets and there's something like 30 runs difference across the whole of the series. And it's never happened before to this extent that it's been so similar after three Test matches. So it's that's a sign of how compelling it's been, really, and how you can't really split the two. It's been neck and neck, isn't it? I think even Mm.
4: session, like, obviously, the first day at Henley, they were, I can't remember what they were, 80 for four or something, maybe? And then Marshall at lunch, yeah. yeah. 200 for for five, and it's Mm. sort of switched back. I think normally well, From my experience in cricket, you, you get days that people sort of own, whereas this has been hours yeah. that you own, and then yeah. the other division have come back for the hour, and it's just been so it's been toing and throwing. And I mean, it's been great to be part of. I think you, cricket especially, you never really know what's going to happen next, and I think this series, even more so. Um, mm. obviously, we'd like to maybe have one, one another game and be two, be, be two, one up our side, but I think it. It makes for an exciting watch. The last two games, especially if we can get the win at Old Trafford next
2: week. So we'll come to Manchester just in a sec. Um, and if if England do win, then this place goes berserk, and I can't even cope. But what it would be like in the build up to the Oval if it does go two two? But anyway, we'll come to that in a minute. Just on on Leeds, um, the aftermath. Uh, what happened? How how did you celebrate? Acknowledge the win? And I guess the cheeky question is. After after McCullum said after Lords, well, I don't think we're going to be sharing a drink with the Oppo anymore. Did you? After, uh, after... so we were in the changing for for a bit, A um, couple of hours in there.
4: The families came in. We took them onto the field. Oh nice! Uh, the groundsman let some of the guys play cricket on the wicket, which was pretty cool for them. Um, well so some mean, some of the some of the family partners, brothers, mums and dads. Yeah. right. Oh lovely. So um, Broadly and Ben Duckett no Joe Worrell really well from Nottingham Forest. He had a little bowl on the wicket because he's, he's cricket mad. And yeah, it was just good. It was nice to see. It was quite sort of a heartwarming mm. few hours with everyone there after the win. Um, A few of the Aussie guys were on the outfield, but I don't really think we... I don't think we had a beer with them, if if I can remember anyone but, but, with... And,
2: and, and what about the atmosphere generally between the two teams after all the, the dramas of Lords? How How did it play out on the pitch? It felt calmer than I was expecting, to be honest. It didn't feel as
4: I got yeah it. didn't feel as hostile as I was expecting, but I suppose it it probably got calmed down a little bit because the rules are the rules with with joining Singh and I can understand both both sides of it, to be honest. Um, yeah. I've no doubt there'll be something next week and and the week after. I think that's just the nature of a series, isn't it? The little yeah. moment gets yeah. spiced up, and I think we all look forward to them as well. So your own fitness then. Must be frustrating, obviously. Uh, how are you feeling now? Yeah, fine. So it's, it was quite a weird one. Normally, when I've had it before, it sort of built up and I felt it coming on, um, whereas this was on landing, just a quick sort of, like, stabbing feeling in the back. And I said, Stokes, back. My back's gone. I can sort of carry on if you want me to, but I think it's gone. He said, get off, go and see the physio. Um, I think we caught it sort of earlier than I have done in the past. The Car- The Caribbean tour... I couldn't even walk off the field, I was sort of hobbling off, whereas last week I could walk off and got it looked at, had some acupuncture, a bit of treatment, um, mm. and it set up a couple of days, I was going to bowl, Yeah, so, the second night or third day I was going to bowl. Um, the third,
2: third day was when it rained until the end of the fight, yeah, yeah. Well, you only had one hour and a half cricket anyway,
5: yeah.
2: Yeah, third day I was going to bowl, um, okay. so
4: it, it feels fine again now, I'm going to go and bowl today at Sussex and... And get some moves under my belt, a bit of running as well. So, I guess with a spasm, it comes, but it also goes, right? It can be quite a fleeting yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the positive thing that the medical team have, have sort of said. It's, it's one of those things that played three three back to back test matches, bowled 15 overs of bumpers at Lords. And mm-hmm. sometimes
2: mm-hmm. These, things, these things come, but obviously they go just as quickly as well. Just a brief word on the Headingley crowd and the general atmosphere. Uh, and obviously, next week, Just a quick jump over the Pennines to to Manchester. Uh, There's a uniqueness, right, to Northern Test matches that you don't really get anywhere else. Yeah, they're just loud, aren't they? It's just (laughs) makes the ground. You can hear it from any
4: part of the ground. I was sat in the physio room for... I can't remember who was batting. Someone was batting and it was boundary after boundary. And I could, the window was shut. It's at the back of the changing room. And I could hear the whole crowd just getting stuck into Todd Murphy and getting stuck into the Aussies on the boundary. And yeah, it's just a unique place to play, Headingly, with that Western Terrace. And obviously, we love playing there. We've got a great record there. We love the fans there. Um, and I feel like when I've played at Old Trafford, it, it's much the same as well. They, they get right behind you. Um, they're a bit more hostile as well. And... It's great to be an England player playing there. So, yeah, looking forward to that as well.
2: Old Trafford, what can we expect from the track initially, do
4: you think? The wicket could be similar to Henley, maybe a little bit drier. But I think you you might see that sort of light covering of grass again. Um, hopefully have a bit of carry. It's obviously tends to be drier there. So... It could spin a bit more later on, um, so Mo Mo will come into play again. I thought he had a great Test match for us. Actually, he bowled really well both innings. He obviously puts name forward to about three. Um, obviously, Old Trafford tends to to carry through, and sometimes it reverses. Depends on these balls, though. I think they haven't been that great for reverse or, or swing. Um, so it might cha- that might change a little bit, but it should be it should be a good cricket wicket up there, and and looking forward to it. I think. You're going to see us play much the same again and and be aggressive. Obviously, we it's a must win for us, um, which makes it makes the game really important.
2: I guess just finally, then your own reflections on how you've gone. It's been a, a slightly funny series for you. You know, you bowled. I thought between me and you, I thought you bowled brilliantly in the second innings at Lords. You know, in in, in quite a tricky situation. You said that you got better through Edgbaston, and then you had the knockback, with the, the spasm. How do you reflect on your own experiences? Yeah, a bit disappointed, really. Um, it
4: probably took me earnings innings too long to get into get sort of where I wanted to be. The, the whole of Bastion, I obviously, like I said, I got better with with time, but I would have preferred to obviously have started better and started quicker. I think that maybe the foot injury beforehand knocked me be back a little bit, but yeah don't like to use that as an excuse really because I felt good in myself I just didn't hit the rhythms that that I wanted to in that game and then lords I felt really good again um second especially felt like I was back to my old self and yeah. even heading ten, eleven 11 overs I felt really good felt like I was sort of hitting the areas um that I wanted to hit both landing it in the way that I wanted to moving it in the way that I wanted to um and the body felt really good it didn't feel sore yeah. didn't have any inkling that it was I was gonna get a spasm in the back. So pretty disappointed really in, in how it's gone and that I haven't been able to affect the game more. Um Headley felt like a great wicket f- for me to bowl on as well. So yeah. A bit disappointed. But at the same time, I think whenever we win a game for England it it picks you right back up. So yeah. Um happy that we're still in the series it's 2-1 and and we've got a chance to level again at Old Trafford
2: and just finally finally even the punters even the fans and mates of mine it's all anyone's talking about now right for you who's in it can you leave it alone or are you constantly playing it over in your head now now you're in the guts of it all what's it like psychologically to be living in this bubble it's quite a strange one. I think, like
4: you say, when you're when you're in it and in camp, almost it's very hard to get away from. Even sort of the days previous, uh, days before building up, and the day after when you're sort of reviewing the game, it's very hard to get away from. I think yeah. the last nights I probably slept for twelve, thirteen hours each night. I think it's just so emotionally draining and obviously wearing on the mind and the body Um, Mm. but at the same time I I don't think any of us would have it any other way we're all saying Mm. how exhausted we are but we're all enjoying and loving it at the same time Um, and I think I'm have the same I've got mates that are messaging me that have never really enjoyed cricket and Mm. they're messaging me how good it is it's amazing that you're a part of it it's amazing what you're doing and I, th- I think for me, that's why we play, isn't it? To to get people to love the game um, we really enjoy what we're doing. And it, just, it mm. makes me proud to be English almost and and see people loving what we're doing. Yeah, well, well said. All right, mate, we'll leave it there. I'll let you get on. Cheers, mate. Enjoy your day. But, thank you. See, ya. see ya, mate.
0: All our Ashes moments of the week are brought to you by our Dapper partner, Charles Tirrett. British menswear brand know a thing or two about looking sharp so whether you're heading to the cricket off to the beach or even working in the office they have looks for every dress code for 20% off shop online at com and use promo code wizen23 at checkout how's that for a deal <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> uh, the, the, this this week's moment of the week is the ending of the first ashes odi and specifically that that scoop shot for four from k cross uh Cassie that that, that was quite the moment and quite the game wasn't it
3: yeah brilliant game um run chase was great um there were so many moments where as an England fan you just go oh god just you know just get over the line um and I think most people would have given up hope several times over um but for Kate Cross to have the confidence to come in and back herself to play that shot in that situation where it's her or nothing with Heather Knight on like 70 odd at the other end yeah that was quite something and it, it was um it was an incredible game to witness. Um, you don't get to see England beat Australia that often, but we've seen it three, four times in this series, which is which is great.
0: Mm. It says something, doesn't it, for England, that they have the confidence in their lower half, doesn't it? I mean, mm. Australia still feels if they have the edge kind of in that area and that batting depth, but it feels like England is starting to believe that their tail can do it regularly, which is maybe the first steps towards their tail, Actually being able to do it regularly and get that sort of contributions?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the game yesterday, which they lost, um, you can make the argument that, you know, Kate Cross should have come in ahead of Sarah Glenn because she couldn't, you know, she she wasn't able to find those gaps. She didn't seem to have the kind of tactical awareness around her of what she needed to do in order to to close a game out at that point, as in when it was a free hit for her, and when and when it wasn't a free hit, and maybe that was kind of the difference. And you look at you look at Bristol, where the, the tail was pretty aware of that and still going aggressively, and you look at Southampton, and that that was the difference. So maybe they are starting to get that awareness, but that there is still you know um, a little bit of a way to go in that, I think. Um, and maybe it just comes down to being in those situations and, and winning matches regularly like that against Australia, rather than playing sides that you're. I guess not presumed, but but more likely to be um, when you're in those scenarios where you're actually in the game for longer, as they have been this series, that's when you get that kind of experience.
0: Mm. Uh, well, well, that picture in the first series I did level the series, but Australia have retained the ash after another thriller, they won that by three runs with a Nats of a Brunt Century going in vain and got so close, uh, didn't they? But I guess Australia are always likely to sneak home in one with England in five from five, Phil.
2: Right, so I didn't see the the, the back end of the game, so, so I can't I can't really comment on it. Um, we were all following it on the phones. Uh, uh Natsiva seems to have carved out a particular niche for herself. Heroic rear guard hundreds in losing causes against Australia in clutch games. <laughs> Heroic mm.
0: failures, yeah. It? Oh man. Well yeah, so she
2: now averages fifty eight against Australian ODIs, which is obviously
0: ridiculous. She's got three hundreds against them, which is a joint world record but they've all come in defeats, and they've also all come since the start of last year two in that world cup and now this one here
2: yeah um as much as it's been a triumph for england especially to have come back from six 0 down you can't shake the sense just as you couldn't shake it at canberra as well and one or two other moments in recent years where just as you feel like they're about to to get rid of that monkey off the back then then it just stops just at the at the final hurdle yet again. And don't get me wrong, eight eight would be a, a f- fabulous scoreline considering what happened when they, Australia were here last time round. And it became like a exercise in self pity by the end of it for, for the England side. Nonetheless, shake hands on an eight eight is good, but you'll be looking at all of these little little kind of clutch moments, these these tiny little little. Divisional moments and and this would have been one of them, right? So five five from five required, is that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. five from five. Oh, required. sorry, sorry. Then they needed
0: need five wins from the last five, five games. Yeah, oh, five five sorry. Points. So what was this no, no, going cra- into the, the last? The equation throw? was they, they needed they needed fifteen off the last over, and then they, right. they needed five off the last ball. So yeah. four would have taken it to a yeah. super over. Six would have yeah. would have won the game. And, yeah. and as it went up in the air for a second, so I saw it. Like,
2: yeah, yeah. So she towed it a bit up to long arm. Yeah, yeah. But they
0: had
1: they had a you know the. You just felt that they had the run chase under control. Of course, the last over of England's bowling games, they did fantastically well despite a Perry hundred to keep them down to what looked like being around about sort of two two sixty. And then they get then poor old uh, Lauren Bell. Lauren Bell ships twenty six off the last over and kind of you know and really really puts the cat amongst the pigeons. But England should have got there. I felt that England should have won the Test match. I felt Mm. that England should have you know that 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 yesterday that was very much within their compass. Um, yeah, and the thing, things that cost them in the test match were kind of were, were, were tactical tactical misreads, if you like, because I think man, player for player, I think they're as good as Australia. I really do. It's the first time I've thought that um, over, the, over the last three or four years that actually they have nothing to fear from them um, in, in terms of, in terms of what we can do to them as opposed to what they can do to us. But it, it has just been that the little bits are now, so, so Sarah Glenn had the, the, the last last ball of the, the 49th over. Was on strike. Nat Siver was down at the end that she needed to be in for the last over. It was a free hit. I mean, you mentioned it. It was an absolutely swing from the ring. Hit it! For, hit it for four. Hit it for six. Whatever you do, don't pat it at a fielder and, and give yourself the decision to either take one or not. And sure enough, she got a low full toss and sort of patted it to extra cover. And, mm. and you know, that and, and for those things like that, have, have kind of cost England. And what you could argue is. Um, and, and Cathy is absolutely right, is that you could argue that the, the experience of having done that, when they look back on over the opportunities they've had over this series, will stand them in wonderful stead in two years' time when they have to go down to Australia. But it just feels like, it feels as though that there's been a, a massive opportunity lost against an Australian team that I think is waning in terms of, in terms of their powers. Obviously, no Meg Lanning has made a huge difference. Um, but but it's, been, it's been so close, so watchable, that like turning on the TV yesterday, and got back from Birmingham after after finals day, and seeing the, the crowd absolutely to the rafters at the Aegean right. ball and the, no, the noise that they were making and the kind of you know the anticipation there was around it. Um, this sport and, the, the, and all women's sport has come on in such a long way in in, the, in such a short space of time, it's been great to watch.
2: Yeah, by that metric, by the bums on seats metric, whether it's ten, six, eight eight or whatever, that that is a triumphant summer for the English game.
3: Yeah, but I think. I think actually if the format was different it could have been even better like you mentioned five from from six that was always going to be a massive ask imagine if we were now going into the test match after the odi Mm. tomorrow and it was either you know eight four in which case there'd still be a chance for australia to retain the ashes or six all going into the test match how many more last minute tickets would have been bought what an occasion that would be and when you go into a six match ODI or two series already four down, you have to win five from six. It's such a tough ass to be that clinical. Mm. And I think it's almost too weighted in favor of the side that already, already holds the ashes. I understand as, as Ben, the point Ben made earlier that retaining, uh, regaining the ashes should be hard. You know, it, it should be, but I think in this scenario it's almost become too hard. It's become yeah. too skewed towards the side who holds the ashes. And when you have the opportunity for creativity in a series, which isn't afforded in the men's ashes, the men's ashes is five test matches, no matter what, right? But in this series, you have the ability to be creative with it mm. and try and artificially manufacture a really good series, and that's <laughs> you know, but that's great. Why wouldn't? No, you? I, it, no I
1: agree. I, I yeah. think I think if you're going to play the test match first, I mean, I, I agree with you. It'd be great to have it later, or maybe in the, like slap bang in the middle, you play the t20 series, you play the test match, then you play the one days at the end. But if you're going to if it's going to come first, and I'd make it a three point three point win, one and a half. For the draw, um, which then means that you, do, that, 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 that the team that losing it does not have to win all of the, the white ball games in order to come out with a victory. Yeah. I think that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, that sounds like sort of the English trying to <laughs> trying to, to weasel out of, um, you know, a, a test match loss. But what you want is that for there to be an incentive for teams to try and win the test. I mean, now that it's now that it's a five day game and the chances of a result have gone up exponentially because of that. Then, then you kind of think to yourself, well, okay, well, it, does it need to be, does does the weight of the test match win have to be quite as high as four points, given that there is now likely to be a result, whether you want whether you want one or not, if you see what I mean, making drawing the game that much more difficult. But that's something that, because it's the first time that we've had a five-day five, five day test match in, in the women's series, is something that kind of like they will probably have to look at afterwards and they can be excused for not having foreseen how that, that might make things turn out um you know beforehand
3: but then why don't you also take out regaining the ashes entirely why don't you make it odd number of points you know mm. then wouldn't that well, that's y- what
1: you do if, you, if it's a three point if it's three points yeah. for the win then you've got you have an odd number you have an odd number don't you
3: yeah and maybe um, that takes away the incentive for the draw of the test match as well in certain scenarios
1: uh, for this episode's kia's movement
0: that inspires moment kia is giving you the chance to watch the final test match of the ashes against australia at the kia oval on the 30th of july not only will you attend day four of the Test match, but you can also watch it in the luxury of the Kia box. For a chance to win a pair of tickets, all you need to do is enter by the link in the description. Entries close on Friday the 21st at midnight. Somerset are T20 Blast champions. Uh, statistically, it's one of the most dominant T20 campaigns in history. So they won 15 from 17. I think they claimed 151 wickets from a possible 170. Uh, and it was their their, their bowling attack that, that did it on on finals day, wasn't it, Katia?
3: Yeah. Yeah. They were, um, they were really good. I was well, you look down Somerset side and you see the batting they have, they have, you know, Will Smead, Banton, Cabin, all of that kind of stuff, everything that points towards them being a phenomenal batting unit, but it's been their bowlers who have been so consistent for them throughout the campaign. Jamie Overton was, uh, sorry, Craig Overton, um, was great. Uh, Matt Henry as well to close out at the end. He was really good. A great, great catch from Tom Banton actually to finish it off. Um, Tom Cola Kadmall, sorry. Yeah. The other Tom and the other, Jay- the other Overton. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, they were really good, and I also think to to blast through Surrey in the semi final as well. That that was really big. You know, they they came off what 141 they, they posted, um, and then to blast through <laughs> Surrey uh, and bowl two sides out for less than 150 on final stay. You know, that's quite something.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got some of the, some of the worst batting you'll ever see from both teams losing the the, the semi final and the quarterfinals. To be honest, seven seven runs and over chase, um. On a, on a pitch that did a bit. I mean, the pitch, to the surface wasn't sort of, it wasn't flat by any means. Obviously, if you're going to be bowling teams out, but you know, but, sorry, about well, nine out of the ten dismissals were all sort of caught on the fence. um and, uh, and and Essex, with Daniel Sam's not sort of in at the end. Obviously, he was the last man out, but kind of just failed to, failed to support him through the last five overs, and they should have walked it really. So uh, you know, Somerset built pressure by by bowling fantastically well. Henry was was superb. Um, Sodi took three for three for nothing as well. So the, the New Zealand connection worked very well for them. Um, but both but both losing sides were 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 instrumental in their own downfall. Uh, but you know, eighteen years in between, Somerset have been one of the most watchable teams in the Blast. You know, forever. Um, and so it, it had to happen at some point that they were going to break that uh, that duck since two thousand and five, and they were the best team in it. Um, and I, you know, I was sort of presenting the show, long old day with the with all the rain breaks and everything like that. No, um, so we didn't go off air at all. We sort of just went from one, from stumbled from one game to the next. And of course, I, I kind of got the numbers wrong. It was, I said fourteen from sixteen, forgetting that there was a quarterfinal. Yeah. <laughs> and fifteen from seventeen is absolutely staggering. It really is in, in a format whereby you know the the uh, the variable the variables or the sort of the 50, 50 50 nature of any contest in in t20s from the start to win that many is is quite remarkable and uh, and you know that Taunton is is the cricket town in this country I think mm. so um you yeah, very well deserved and, and good on them.
2: yeah exactly and that point that 2020 cricket there seems to be a lot of chance priced into it and that's part of the reason why people love it right but also it can sometimes lead to feeling like the, the the element of chance the element of randomness is maybe a little bit too much for the integrity of the of the best teams the integrity of the competition i felt it a bit watching the ipl and on the it's presented as a virtue but on the other side you do want the best teams to do well one of the most interesting things about the hundred is that Welsh Fire were bad, stunk the place out. And that was, was the only interesting thing about it. So you want the best teams that recruit the best and that have the most imagination. Uh, and it's proven, you know, to bring in Sodi, for example, for one group game, one quarter final, a semi, and then the final, and he was being magnificent. That is a further demonstration of a club that knows how to recruit, knows, how, knows what it needs. It's a brilliantly balanced cricket team. I've seen them play a few times live this year and they are they are a fielding side that is better than anyone else. They have each bowler knows exactly the role that they play. Craig Overton bowls like he's playing in a championship game, bowls filthy heavy balls that are very hard to hit. Matt Henry is a game changer with, you know, in those middle overs as well. He bowls a full length, asks for it, all the rest of it. They bring in Cola Cadmore, who's who makes 400 plus runs at three. Haven't mentioned Ben Green yet, have we? No, and we're coming to him as well. So, they've got two homegrown openers who are almost interchangeably explosive. And then Ben Green, who's taking more wickets in the tournament than anyone else.
1: Lewis Gregory? Lewis a well. brilliant captain. I was a win- winner with the winner in the hundred as a yeah, captain. Yeah, with the rocket. Mark, um, yeah. and you know, all rounder extraordinary. He'll, he'll kind of knock people over for you. He'll hit. He'll, he'll do tough runs at the at the back end of an inning. So yeah. they're just a damn bloody good team.
2: So so you know, obviously, I was watching it from a slightly Essex perspective, but I didn't feel in any way disappointed um, because it would have been. A scandal really if my ragtag bunch of of, of lovies had managed somehow to, to scrape through you know they were one shot away from going out in the group stage snick home at the quarters semis and then to have beaten the best team in the country in the final that would have felt slightly unjust I think really so so no complaints from from an Essex perspective they did well to get to that point uh, and it was the right win for the right club I think
0: mm. and I suppose from a Somerset point of view looking over the past what decade where you could argue they've been the most consistent counter team in the country sort of across all formats I guess but it's only translated into what one uh, one day cup win before now in 2019 and especially in T20 cricket it sometimes felt like actually being at Taunton has, has held them back in some ways because they've been so good there because they've been so good at playing that sort of brand of cricket where you've got small boundaries, flat track. Uh, they would, you know, the scoring rates would be absolutely huge. But then when you actually have to go elsewhere to win games, you might then trip up a bit more. And now they've actually won it, obviously based on, they've had home dominance, but it's been based on on that bowling, which is, and, and the fielding, which has not been the case before. So, and also, I guess you kind of feel like if you're that good for that long as some that have been, that you'd kind of just pick up a few titles along the way just because that's what would kind of happen. And it hasn't happened, so they've had to get even better and better and better. And now they've done it, and they are uh, English champions. It makes me a bit sad as well. Do you remember the Champions League, T20? Like, I'd love to see the Somerset team up against the, you know, Chennai Super Kings. Well, well, uh,
2: it's probably unworkable because the the world game is so stratified now and you get players playing for five different teams. But I liked that idea at the time. I thought it had a lot of legs. uh, And... I don't know how it can be doable this time round.
1: It just—it looked bad, though, didn't it? it nobody bad. was there, and you and you also have the situation, as you as you rightly point out, whereby there are, there are guys who play for all of the teams. So you yeah. know, how do you how do you get around? Kyron Pollard would have been playing for literally all the teams yeah. in the <laughs> tournament. You know, I just kind of. But, but I it, think it's... I think we you know there there is enough there is enough T Twenty cricket to go around yes, to true. do to do without that <laughs> as well. Enough. But but it is nonetheless
2: yeah look I don't disagree with that <laughs> and clearly I'm pretty weary of the whole thing anyway nonetheless. It's a good pub conversation that could one day be made flesh of the IPL's winners, Somerset, the BPL etc etc um who would be the, who would be the finest team out there who is the best domestic T20 team in the world? That's a, quite an interesting chat for people who are interested in those kinds of things mm. still one day maybe whatever
0: yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs>
2: you're all right, not me either but, you know some people are mark
0: uh, <laughs> onto the county championship and there could be a title race surrey uh without a win in two essex are only 13 points off the top and if warwickshire win their game in hand with a full set of bonus points they would go ahead
2: of surrey phil is is it is it on uh possibly no one saw this coming really it Mm. looked like a surrey procession they'd forgotten how to lose and then they did lose uh and then they lost again or rather they they drew again um That Lancashire game juddered the whole competition. because This was two or three weeks ago now. They were chasing 200. Everyone had already closed the book on the game, and they were bundled out for 80-odd. And seeing the following game here last week, it seemed like they were trying to shake that memory off a little bit. And there has been a mini blip with Surrey across the the two formats uh, that nobody really imagined, nobody saw coming. That said, it's very hard and Mark will know, to be good for six months of a long, gruelling season. That said, 13 points. And as you say, if Warwickshire win their game in hand, then they would actually go go top. Uh, it shows that it's hard to win this thing. And for all the resources and for, for however well Surrey are run, and they really do use their, their enviable sources brilliantly, resources very, very well. Uh, nonetheless, Essex are scrapping uh Essex are doing what they what they do they they those two don't play one another so Essex and Surrey played earlier in the year Essex slightly had the best of a rain affected draw uh so perhaps Warwickshire might be the bigger challengers because they will play Surrey again those two will meet later on in the tournament and that could be could be a real humdinger uh but yeah look it's it is now legitimately a a three-horse race It's it's a proper scrap and I did I having seen them in the first half of the season just didn't see this coming Mm.
3: just to point out with that sorry game as well what was it two two Nottinghamshire bowlers went off injured in in the first innings and lyndon james ended up having to bowl a ridiculous number of overs and and did really well yeah um but the scale of that loss considering where they were on day one as well you know that that's quite something
2: yeah so so burns bagged the pair lb both innings in the first over Mm -hmm. um Obviously, Pope is out for the season. And so one or two of their bankers are struggling a little bit. Uh, Jamie Smith's in a bit of a... I wouldn't say he's in poor form, but hes hes he had that really good 100, 70 ball 100. But either side of that, he's struggling a little bit. Had a quiet match against Notts. Uh So while Surrey are still comfortable favourites to win it, don't get me wrong, uh, and you would think... Three or four wins from the last six, and they'll be fine. Um, or rather, from the last five. Um, nonetheless, nonetheless, it is it is on, and and it speaks well of the tournament. It speaks well of the of the championship. Really, there's only really been not Northants and Middlesex who have struggled through much of the much of the much of the season. It's a ten team league, and and from pretty much seven or eight upwards, any anyone can beat anyone, as we've seen with Lancashire.
0: Hmm. and actually Middlesex Northlands had one of the games of the yeah. season uh last week it was it was, it was a, a, a good round quite an odd round there weren't as many results as you'd normally get but there were three well so, so the Lanx essex game was obviously a that was a result in the end but there were three almost massive chases so Middlesex Northland was a scores level draw um and Derbyshire v Sussex so Derbyshire almost chased 380 and 58 overs and then eventually when they were eight down uh settled for uh, the draw there. But counter coaches aren't happy, Mark. The Kookaburra has been in use. Um and Gareth Batty called the timing of that trial illogical. Not Peter Moore said it doesn't feel right to be switching balls uh for just part of the season. What what, what have you made of, of that trial? Is it a success or do you think of no, think? They're, they're, they're
1: absolutely right. I mean if you if you're trying to work out what the sort of like the dominating factor in the game is then then two matches is not enough to do it. Um so you know, you either play an entire summer with the Kookaburra ball, and you and you take your data from that, um, or or you or you just go with the Duke and don't and don't mess with something. You know, don't kind of change, move the goalposts as you're as you're halfway through the championship. Uh, my my feeling is is that you know there were ne- nearly some huge chases finally into the game, but in the first innings of, of quite a lot of the fixtures, there were there were teams bundled out in much the same way as you'd see with a with a juke ball uh, and the part of the reason for that is and it's something something that i've banged on about forever and ever with the kookaburra ball is that the thing that makes the most difference is the surface always now kookaburra in australia gets torn to shreds by the uh the, the Merrow creek soil right it just rips it rips it to bits it rips the juke ball to bits too you play with the kookaburra ball on the softer, softer surfaces, relatively softer surfaces here in England, and it ke- retains its shine. You can shine it and it will still swing and move, move around and it retains its shape better, funnily enough, than the juke than the, than the does. Um, and so in terms of that, I, kn- I didn't expect it to make a massive amount of difference. uh, You know, and and as I've said, unless you do it over the course of an entire season, you can't tell anyway. You could, you know, things that would have happened, teams being shot out for not very many, teams scoring an absolute bucket load, have all happened with the juke ball as well. You know, it's it's you can't. There's no discernible difference from what happened in those two rounds of games from anything that we've seen during the course of the summer before, and therefore it's kind of it's a nice try, but really you've you've learned nothing from it whatsoever.
0: Like me, you might be getting more concerned about cybercrime with people stealing private data and invading my privacy. Luckily, NordVPN is a one-stop shop for all things cybersecurity. It's incredibly easy to use. With just one click, you can be protected. I don't have to be a tech genius to use it. With my NordVPN account, I can have up to six devices protected. I no longer have to worry about hackers, malicious sites and pop-ups. For the price of one coffee a month, you can have complete peace of mind knowing that your devices and data are protected. Are you tired of ISP throttling, slowing down your cricket streaming? Say goodbye to buffering and hello to seamless matches with NordVPN. Experience cricket like never before. Safeguard your online presence, enjoy uninterrupted streaming and access to matches with NordVPN. Get started with NordVPN now and protect your digital boundaries. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash wisdom to get a huge discount of your NordVPN plan and one month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Click the link in our description to get started today. Um, well, onto the rest of the world game, and before we get onto the actual cricket, the ICC annual general meeting happened last week. Uh, their big announcement was that uh, there's equal prize money in ICC events for men and women out, which is obviously good, but I guess a, a step in the right direction, but that's that's not the decisive thing in how much women earn, I guess, until you're getting salaries up. That's that's thing, that's, that's a bit out of the ICC's control. But I suppose the, the big thing that actually people have taken away from it that's not in the announcement is that, um, is that revenue model which we might have discussed before with a uh, but in India getting what forty percent of the ICC's earnings? Um, who 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 wants to who wants to take this one? Uh, BCCI, India, uh, revenue share, a bit more money for associates, perhaps.
2: Yeah, well, uh, we're trying to you're trying to make a make a positive-ish spin on it. As indeed, of course, they. Are, I'm not saying that you personally are. Ben one one does try to and. Of course, that's what Allardyce, their CEO, whatever role he plays, that's what he said to TMS. That's what Wazim Khan said to me last week or a couple of weeks ago at Lords. That's the way that they're trying to present it, that there's more money in the pot, more money for the smaller nations, more money for the associates, and that ultimately, as Allardyce, I think I've got it somewhere, gracelessly and uber capitalistly put it. If you if I went to you and said I'm going to double your salary, you're going to be pretty happy regardless of whether your percentage of the salary bill has gone down or up spoken like a true ceo right, right. um I, I irish irish cricket um head honchos have said we're thankful for the extra revenue it means that we can perhaps replenish our as it stands defunct four day competition so there are th- th- there's a few more pennies in the pot sure but the overall landscape is one of increasing Inequality, right? And we, we have a game that is richer than ever before and more unequal than ever before. <laughs> so well, well done us. Well done us <laughs> yet again. Um, so so the, the cold hard numbers are... The 12 full members pull in nearly 89% of the funds, which is around $431 million. Of that 89%, as we know, 40 goes to one country. Uh, that leaves about 11%, which is 54 million, for the other 96 associate nations. <laughs> you know, some of whom um, are doing incredibly good good stuff uh, despite being broadly impoverished. You know, the Netherlands are going to the World Cup. Scotland played brilliantly to get to the, to the edge of it. Afghanistan is trying to play test cricket. Ireland are trying to play test cricket. And so... And so the, the balance is obviously spectacularly skewed. Now, I know there's going to be a portion of 1.5 billion people saying, well, hold on, if, we, if our fanaticism generates so much of the percentage of the world's revenues, then shouldn't we therefore get it? And uh, you know I recognize that argument. I understand that argument. But it depends where your priorities lie. It depends whether you want uh, a truly globally advanced and, ex- and expansionist game. Or whether you want to to maintain it for for the chosen few, and 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 you, people will have their own positions on that. I know where I stand.
0: Mm. And I guess the other thing as well is that it, it, India, obviously, it, it, this isn't a drop in the ocean. That's that's underselling it. But when you look at the figures that they're pulling in for their IPL rights deals and how much they're selling like WPL teams for and that sort of thing, this this revenue is it's it's not their main source of income as it is for other teams, and yet they're still trying to claw as
1: much of it for themselves as I, possible. I think that's the I think that's the bit that that sticks in the craw the most is that I actually don't really need it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's and there and there you have it. You know, you can yeah. make whatever arguments you like about the about whether they are deserving of of more of the pie because of because of the other revenues that they are allowed to generate for themselves. But then if you can look at it and go, well is is it, well, it's like an NHS conversation, isn't it? Is it is it going to the place where it is most most required, delivery at the point of at the point of need, um, and and the answer to that is is absolutely and wildly no. Um, so it's, it's just a hard one to justify, isn't it? That's mm. all. On yeah.
3: on that point about associates getting more money but not a higher percentage as well you're, you're not going to be able to bite the hand that feeds you are you so right. like giving them more money as opposed to giving them a larger share almost seems like a way of going look well, well you know we're giving you more money um while still keeping with the same ultra capitalistic style of you know revenue distribution um rather than actually properly looking at the game and going what does the game need what does this what does this need in order to grow? You know, in the kind of whole growing the game thing, it just sticks a bit harder at the minute, really, mm. doesn't it? Because it's so jarring to hear when clearly it's not going in the right direction.
2: Yeah. Um, oh. j- just to make a comparison with the previous rights deal, I think India's cut of the pie was about 18% in the previous carve up. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty hefty spike, isn't it? And
0: is it supposed to be partly based on performance and IC events as well? <laughs> they haven't won any since 2013 but
2: yeah well indeed yeah and i
0: guess the 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 other thing as well and just getting into some of the other stuff they announced so there's one tiny sort of move they've made in terms of maybe quelling the rise of t20 leagues which is that every new t20 league now has to have a a cap of at most four overseas players in each 11. but i kind of i think you're not gonna be able to legislate these t20 leagues out of the game while there is this inequality because with south africa say it entrenches it exactly the, the the only way that um south africa can make money this is why they forfeited the ODI series against australia was because they had to launch this t20 league because they don't earn money from anyone who's coming to visit them so if you want them to not if, if you want to not incentivize these countries to launch these leagues and they have to be able to you know to to exist without them which at the moment in the case of south africa uh they can't um uh, should we move on as well to some 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 lighter stuff? There's more more.
2: I, I just want to very briefly. It wasn't eighteen percent. It was twenty two percent. Okay, so
0: in the previous right cycle, it's an, an eighteen yeah.
1: it percent hike.
0: Yeah, yeah. um Some good news. There's there's some more lenient rules for for bad overrates in tests, which are, I know you've been crying out for, Mark. That they, they before, if you were an over behind, you'd be fined twenty percent of your match fee. Now that's up to five percent, so a lot less, and you can also be fined only a maximum of fifty percent of your match fee. And also it's harder to get overrate fines as well.
2: <laughs> Progressive as ever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's so tone-deaf, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I Read mean the room, so, folks. So look, look, I, 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 as a former player or whatever, I have some sympathy in terms of in terms of sort of overrates, and you obviously have lots of extra wastes of time during during a day's play than we had when we played DRS reviews. Um, you know, all the rest of it. There are lots and lots of reasons why time ekes away out of the game. However, back in the dark ages if you were short of the overs and there was light enough to play them, you just kept playing until, until it was done. Um, I know that can't happen in, in a lot of other, in a lot of countries where literally you do get sort of blanket darkness, from six o'clock at sundown, but here in in the UK there is absolutely no reason whatsoever why with seven overs to go we all traips off the park at half past six. Now got, you know the, the TV you could, people might blame the television for that. Well, not really. It's a Sky is a it's a sport only channel. They don't have to go to the six o'clock news or whatever it might be. You could that could stay on forever? And as much as that might sort of um, eat into our into our um, evenings entertainment time, it it just doesn't make any sense to me that sometimes at the best point of the day. With seven overs left on the clock, everyone just walks off, and that and they literally get written off. You don't have to then make them up the next day, um, unless it's been for you know, unless you've lost the overs for terrain. But if you just lose the overs for slow play, then they they disappear. It's and madness. It's, so make it making the making the fines. I mean, the fines didn't do anything anyway, because mm. let's face it. Unless you unless you come up with some sort of penalty that affects the match that you're playing and no one pays any attention to that whatsoever. And, and you know, these days the players probably don't even look at what goes in and out of their their, their bank mm. balances anyway. But it's just, it's the most tone deaf thing for the, for, for the support, for the people who pay for their tickets, the people who pay for their subscriptions to be robbed of, of, of cricket when there is absolutely no good reason for that to happen. Uh, and then to turn around and say, well, actually, we're making it easier for, for teams to have terrible s- slow rates by by not finding them as much. And by, by well, what was it? It's, it's something like there, there used to be, um, you wouldn't get fined if you bowled a team out within 60 overs or something. They've now made it, they've now pushed that further. So if you bowl a team out with, within 80 overs twice, even if your over rates are slow, you don't get fined for that either. So it's it just, it's completely bizarre. I quite like what they do in the championship.
2: You don't take tea until there's 32 overs left in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's logic to that, yeah. and and you're kind of putting the onus always, back always, on the players to say, look, that.
1: if you want to get off the park on time, then it's up to you to get round to get round. That's fast. it. Take and, take and, take know, lunch after thirty can, or whatever well, it might be. You pres- know? exactly that. You mm. do that. That that's exactly how you do it. Mm. You go. You say right. You've got 40, 40 minutes at tea time, which will happen at one o'clock. But I'm afraid if you've only bowled twenty six overs to then we start eating t- into your lunch. Yeah, and you finish. You get to thirty, and then you can come off, and you might only have twenty seven minutes. Yeah, suddenly the umpires would be like well hang on a second they'd be shooing them around mm. the, the, the captains would be shooing them around because the team you need your rest <laughs> yeah. so you've got to get the overs in it's kind of it's yeah. not beyond the wit of man to do this it really isn't mm. it's quite primary school
0: isn't it it's only your own time you're wasting well, exactly that <laughs> it's
1: exactly that yeah
0: <laughs> Well, on, on to uh, the rest of international cricket that was actually played. Oh, in- do we have yes, to? Do? Yeah, we do. And oh, we have to start no. with with one of the worst games of cricket ever played, which was India against West Indies. They won inside three days. It was such a poor spectacle, not just because of the the disparity, but also just the pitch was so bad. Like, it was so slow. They had all these amazing Indian stroke makers. Like, you know, Yashasvi Jaiswal, he made a really good hundred on Test David, but even he couldn't. Couldn't get, couldn't get a you know a boundary to the fence. Virat Cody was celebrating individual boundaries because of how hard it was to actually <laughs> time the ball. Um,
2: it's it's almost like you play it on a filthy ragging turner with a terrible outfield in the middle of nowhere. It's almost like they're deliberately trying to sabotage it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so from a cricket point of view, people are saying like, oh, is it so bad to see doing this badly." I think India would beat a lot of teams really heavily on this sort of pitch. But you are thinking like, why is this the sort of pitch that's that's been prepared? And like, I, I was I messaged the guys from the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, and they basically said. It's the kind of thing that just frustrates you about Western East cricket, basically. That it doesn't feel like everyone is pulling together in the in the same direction of, of success of, of the overall team. That you get these kind of baffling things that just kind of happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, having been knocked out of the of the World Cup and now lost this test, it's, it's not great, is it? Um, it's,
2: it's not great. Ugh, look, I have I couldn't watch literally couldn't watch a minute of it. I, I couldn't bring myself to. Um, you hope that it's a slightly less humiliating experience next week. And they claw back some tiny morsel of self-respect because it's been a, te- a disastrous month for them, really. Yeah. Um, and if you counterpose the idea of Stokes saying, we want to make it as fun as possible because players are picking and choosing what they want to do with their lives. And it's a very astute point. And if you make that environment attractive... Then you do get the likes of Moe Nally coming back and saying, do you know what? Yeah, I don't mind dipping my toe again. The complete polar opposite is what, what you're seeing really with this West Indies test side. And you still doff your cap to the Kemar Roaches and the Jason Holders who keep playing. They keep playing, almost in the face of overwhelming evidence. And you and, had, and you, had- you, you you you're desperate for them to to keep some modicum of faith but it becomes harder and harder and harder that said it's it's a good point that you make that if you frame that game in the context of playing the best team in the world in those conditions you're already you're already almost certainly sunk before a ball is bowled that said there are ways to lose cricket matches and that yeah. that was agonizing
0: yeah there on on green shoots the west indies one i mean actually Rakim Cornwall bowled really nicely when he was fit to bowl. Um, I mean, he, he got Kohli out. It was it was it was good to see. But also, uh, uh, Alec Athanas uh, on yeah. Test day, so he got runs in the first innings. Yeah, and he he was so he was the lead run scorer at the un nineteen World Cup in twenty eighteen, which is the un nineteen World Cup with Shubman Gill, Sure, uh a couple of other amazing players. I mean, he was playing in the second tier of that World Cup, which is why he was able to get his runs up. But he but he was also talking after day one. About how you know he's a complete test tragic. How much of a proud moment it was. His whole family had come down to watch it, and it's oh, like even God. even for like these kids, you know, they they still love it and love the traditions and stuff. But it's just everything else working against them. Um,
1: yeah, on, on the Inder side, I'll Tell you what, I liked yeah on that India's kit. Right, so you're for the, the love stripes. That. Absolutely oh, yeah. love that. I was, well, I was, yeah, I thought that was pretty. Funny. Turn your Twitter off, Mark. I quite Mate, like listen, it, but you know what? I've always the thing is, I've always hated, and I still hate. England's kit, the whites, the white whites. It's supposed to be creams, mate. End the story. Right. Put stripes on them, but it's supposed to be cream, not white. There you go. Mic drop. There you go.
0: <laughs> this, I, I wasn't expect. <laughs> I, I was expecting this to be too boring for the podcast, but there, there's debate that kit might be against ICC regulations. No it, no, it definitely is.
1: Yeah, the, it definitely the... is. used to get fined for having tiny little, you know, like six-inch lengths of piping on your pads, I yeah. mean, let, let alone having three huge Adidas stripes down the side of your trousers and down your sleeves. But I, I liked it. There oh. you go.
3: Wasn't there also a debate that the West Indies kit also met ICC?
1: That's less clear,
0: actually, because... <laughs> God, this is really neat. Uh, this is where you really come alive. Though, See, this, is, But
1: this is exactly the sort of thing that our listeners are going to love. You know, Forget all the cricket stuff. This is the
0: stuff that's important. Cable knit jumpers or sweatshirts. What it's, do you want? In the text bit of the regulations, it says you have to have your name above your shirt number. But uh, in the diagram, it says the name can go above or below the shirt number. Uh, and their names were below the shirt number. So I think they'll probably get away with it. And you know what? India probably will get away with it too, you'd imagine. Do you think? And if not, it's a nice bit of marketing for Adidas, isn't it? Like our, our kits are so are so, <laughs> are so good, they break the rules. There we go. Um,
3: I'll say I don't don't have a problem with stripes. I think the colour was, was not great. I think it could have been a nicer blue, and then you'd get more people on board. But that's my <laughs> expert perspective. From what Grow
2: the game.
0: Constantly.
3: Grow the game, exactly. You know, why do we need to be playing in whites?
2: Jai good, don't he? I yeah,
0: the, I was. Actually, is that the least surprising Test debut century ever?
2: Might be up there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and uh, Ravi Ashwin is is good. He claimed twelve wickets. One game after being left out for the World Championship is final. He, is he good? He's, he's 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 got a weird place in his career, right? Like it's a bit like if if Man City only played Erling Haaland at, at home.
2: So, so how many wickets
0: has he taken then, Ben? He's now got 486 test wickets, at an average of 23.6. Jeez. Well, bold. It's but I guess, the, but the thing is,
1: right. Can't like, play in England, though. Well, that's the thing. Well, I mean, we, why do they not the pick chance. him? I mean, it's just, extra- <laughs> I cannot, I honestly cannot believe that they keep leaving him out when when they come over here. I
2: couldn't believe the final. Couldn't believe that. Yeah. But, the final, but how, how great
0: do we remember him? as being because we know all the things that he can do and he keeps doing those really really well and he keeps not being given the chance to answer the questions that he kind of hasn't yet fully answered you know Uh,
2: I don't think there's any equivocation with him I just think you have to watch him watch him for a few hours and see see the the variation the variety if anybody says well hold on he's only really a homer then that is not to be watching what you're seeing Mm -hmm. his control on pitches that help him but pitches that are flatter as well. His control and his creativity makes him one of the all-time greats. And also, how old is he? How old is he now? What, maybe 33, 34?
0: Uh, thirty-six. Is he?
2: Yeah. Oh right. And he's actually okay. almost thirty-seven. 37 okay, so September. September. So perhaps the really, really big numbers will be beyond his reach. Then um, I guess, but, these are uh, the but way they, they will injury be injury if, injury if, injury if they, if if they, they don't play out. all of their Test cricket Indeed, at home. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: It's but, 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 You think what, what, that's why I mentioned you know Australia and the way that they would always pick their team. They they always have they play yeah. a spinner no matter where they're playing. Totally. always play a spinner in Test match cricket. But um, I guess they, and what, for India, uh, hang on one second. For, and for India, if their best bowl, their best bowlers happen to be spin bowlers, and you play them, and the fact is that you do, you lose nothing in terms of the batting lineup with him because he's he's got what three four Test match hundreds as well. So it's not as though you, you play another a, a sort of a medium pace scene bowling all around you and you get something that is, is going to be wildly better than than Ashwin as a batter. Mm. It's just completely mad, if you ask me.
2: Yeah, but but he's, he's in the top half a dozen spinners of all time for me. Cool. Yeah, It the, must,
3: the, be, must be quite nice though if you're Ravi Ashwin to get to play on pitches that completely suit you all the time. So yeah. I, I don't really have a, a massive problem with with India picking him on the pitches that suit him best, especially given, you know, that he is nearly 37. I can completely understand the argument that he's one of the greatest spinners of all time and therefore should play wherever they go. But, you, you know, as you said, you pick your best side for the pitch that you're playing on and the conditions you're playing on. It's not that out there to say that, you know, we don't think spin's going to be massively effective here and we've got a good... Second spinner ready in the wings. He does he does give him more with the bat than, than Ashwin does. So I, I don't have a massive problem with it. I can completely see the other side of it. But if you want to pick him in the best scenarios for him, and you it's, it's not a, a you know, I just don't have that that much of a, a problem with it. You know, especially when you've got Ravindra Jadeja um, open to you. You know, he should have played more tests than he hasn't, in, in my opinion. Yeah, so I, I you just can play them both in India. So sure,
2: I, I hear that. Just in English conditions, I think last time out, I think they misjudged what English conditions actually offer you that there's a perception that it's all about medium fast seam but it was a really hot summer when they came over in 2021 and the oval pitch on a on a five day game even with a reserve day as well Mm. was always going to take spin as well so so I was, I've was i just been surprised that he's not featured whenever they've come over here as part of a two-man seam, uh, spin attack with with two two to three seamers as well. But yeah, but anyway, then you could also now. argue
3: that if that series that they played here in 2021 had been completed, they would have won it and Ashwin wouldn't have played. Sure, so.
2: sure, indeed.
0: I guess uh, what we will get, not we don't know if Boomer will be fit for the Stafford Tour next year. And if he's not fit, then Ashwin, I think, has a pretty good chance of playing that. And he wasn't great in South Africa at the start of last year, was it? So that might be maybe a last chance to correct that because if he then does well there then all options become open again I suppose. Um, A couple of other international results to round up. Afghanistan won an ODI series in Bangladesh the first time to do that other than England since 2015 Uh, and some huge results in the women's game actually. Bangladesh women beat India women in ODI for the first time ever. Blimey. uh, Yeah defended 150 odd Um, uh, yeah very impressive result and then also Sri Lanka women beat New Zealand women for the first time ever as well including an ODI series win which was a Jamara Tapatu basically doing everything there. One of what genuinely one of the most extraordinary individual series performances there's ever been in sort of an underdog situation. So that was that was quite incredible to watch. Um and Phil, you got a few on the weekend.
2: Oh, thanks, mate. Played... <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, he's <is> pretty lame. He's <laughs> pretty lame. Played yesterday, got runs, got whacked on the elbow, had a had a thoroughly nice time, having been dreading it. Uh but yeah. Managed to to wash up okay. Enjoyed it. Um, Cricket's okay provided you only play it about three times a year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's all from us this week. We've got a lot of podcasts coming up. If both tests go to five days, we are back with you every day but one until August the 1st, I think. Uh, So we'll catch you tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day.
5: (laughs) Hi, I'm Kumar Sangakara and I'm speaking to you from the Kia Oval. Hello to all parents of young cricket fans. If you are 11 to 16 years old or if you are a parent of an 11 to 16 year old, then this message is for you. As part of the partnership between Surrey County Cricket Club and Kia, this amazing opportunity has been created to motivate and excite you, cricket's next generation. This is your chance as a young cricketer to play here on the hallowed green of the CARE Oval where I spent some great years playing for Surrey in the sport that I love so much you could be here at a coaching session with me on Saturday September the 23rd before playing out there on the field courtesy of Kier who have sponsored this club and ground for over a decade cricket has been a huge part of my life since I was a little boy from the age of about 11 or 12 and I know what an opportunity like this would have meant to me if you want the chance to be part of this all you need to do is apply and we might see each other in September.